Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, April 11th, 2022. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going? I would say very good, Graham, but i got to turn off the news. Then I can say very good. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I'm actually, you know, on the optimistic side, I'm feeling good because next week or when people are listening to this, I guess, or shortly after, we're going to be together in London. So first time we will have uh, caught up with each other in many moons in person. And I, you know, obviously haven't been to the UK since COVID. So I'm looking forward to hanging out with you next week. <laughs> That'd be brilliant. How many years has it been? I don't even know. Like I think it's years. Yeah. I know we saw each other. Uh, we were doing some work for a business school in London and we saw each other then. Um, but that was before COVID obviously. So, you know, yeah, it's been at least five years, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. No, fantastic. <laughs> so, um, and just for our listeners benefit, we're going to be working on a kind of a secret project, but details will be forthcoming, but Alex and I are going to be spending some time uh, together next week to do this project. So, We'll uh, we'll keep everyone <laughs> posted, but uh, yeah, it should be fun. It's called a secret project because if it fails before it's launched, right. we don't have to disclose what <laughs> it exactly was. That's exactly right. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but speaking of uh, you and me and the show and everything, I did want to um, remind people that we really need your help in you know rating the show, writing reviews, or even just telling your friends, anyone you know that's thinking of applying to business school. So that's the best way you can support the show. I've seen a lot of people leaving us great comments over on Livewire and DecisionWire thanking us for our help as they've kind of made the journey. And I would just ask those people to you know share those thoughts uh, up on Apple Podcasts where we can receive reviews or at least rate us over at Amazon and Spotify or wherever you listen. Um, we could definitely use the notes it always helps um, to build the audience and and yeah it makes us feel good when we're broadcasting to as many people as possible so keep that in mind um, Alex what's been going on on the MBA admissions front are we out of the decision phase entirely now I think we've most of the schools have announced right yeah round two's in the bag last last week um, MIT Sloan um, Cornell but big big focus on MIT Sloan um, early uh, uh, early last week sort of um, and, and yeah last week sort of wraps it up this week we continue with round three deadlines um, which sort of started to trickle out the last couple of weeks but you know for example um, tomorrow it's uh, Stanford Sloan Yale Anderson and uh, Johnson so 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 we've got plenty of activity for those folks that are targeting round three you know maybe folks that are either late into the cycle um, to 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 consider the MBA, but also folks readjusting their strategy based off of their rounds one and two results. Um, maybe taking a flyer in round three on some top programs. Why not? Um, but yeah, so we're we're pretty much in midway through the application season now for round three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you know, this is not a bad year to look at round three, especially if, you know, either you struck out in the previous rounds or you have kind of run the table and you want to, as you say, take a flyer on a third round option. It can't hurt. This is a year where schools have been uh, a little surprised, frankly. I mean, the discussions I've had with admissions directors have suggested some surprise at the, you know, slightly lower volume of applications. And so I think they're always looking for good candidates. And so if you're certainly, if, you know, if you're kind of underrepresented in the pool in some way, shape or form and think that you could fill uh, a hole that the school might be trying to fill in their class, then round three, you know, might be a good idea. And there's still some deadlines left. So take a look at that. Uh, for those of you who are sitting on dis I'd, Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I just also also add one, one additional point. Round three is much shorter 
And what I mean by that is the turnaround for interview invites is going to be much um, um, quicker the, and, and, and getting the results. So, for example, Wharton, who had around three deadline a couple of weeks ago, they're actually rolling out their interview invites next week on Thursday. Yeah, no, it's much faster. That's a good point. Uh, for those of you who already have decisions and are now in the process of debating where to go or even, you know, you've already put your money down or, or whatever it might be, or for those of you who just were, you know, tuned in this year and didn't end up applying for one reason or another, we're actually running a survey on our website and we really need your help. Um, and we're giving out actually a $400 Apple or Amazon gift card um, to one uh, person who completes the survey. We're going to do a drawing. And then we're also giving out a whole mess of $20 Amazon cards as well to other folks who fill it out. Um, so take a look at the survey. You can access it at bit.ly forward slash CA survey 2022. Um, and that's all lowercase. So check out the survey. Um, it'll be a great way for you to weigh in on your decision-making process, and it should take only 10 minutes to fill out. And then Alex, you've been monitoring our users, uh, you know, people on the site, uh, we have those likes that users can earn members of the community, you know, as they, as they kind of, um, seek and, and receive appreciation for the comments they leave, they kind of amass these points. Um, how's that been going? Yeah. I mean, it's always, it always goes good. I mean, uh, I've got, I don't know, myself, Graham, I've got over a thousand likes. I know you're lagging and sla slacking, but um, I know. Um, I, I will tell you, by the, by the time this podcast is released, I will no longer be the, the top of the leaderboard in terms of likes. That will, by that point, be Elliot. Wow. It's either tomorrow or the, or the next day he will eclipse me um, because Elliot provides great advice on decision wire entries and um, for those <laughs> choosing between schools. Um, highest liked um, community member outside of Clearmit is also very active on decision wire, yeah. offering great insight. And actually, we're profiling a decision wire entry later on this show where he 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 or she does a real deep dive in helping a, a candidate think about sort of investment banking choices amongst schools. Um, so, so yeah, we're running a little contest, a little bit of fun to sort of incentivize a few more folks to sort of participate and, and, and hopefully um, nudge those likes above 30, 60 and 90 likes, which gets you a one, two or three stars. Um, and I, I think, Graham, you guys are giving away pretty good gift cards, right? Yeah, we're giving away more Amazon cards. So it's like $10 if you hit your 30 likes, yeah. 20 for 60 and a $50 gift card if you get to 90, which isn't really that hard. If, you, if you're leaving comments and people like your comments, you're going to quickly amass those, those likes. Um, other than that, Alex, well, before we get into the candidates, I had a couple of things that I wanted to highlight just on the kind of MBA news and notes front. Uh, we profiled a couple of real humans on the website, one of whom is a woman named Gabrielle Alves, and she is a Michigan Ross grad. She graduated in 2020, so she's actually been in the workforce for a little while now, and she is an investment banking associate at Morgan Stanley. She's originally from Jersey. She uh, had been in retail merchandising before going to Ross and um, did her undergrad at Northwestern. And, you know, we interviewed her, asked her for tips and all about the recruiting process for banking. And she also, you know, we always ask them for advice. And as I've been doing the last couple of weeks, I wanted to share uh, her thoughts. She just said, during business school, 
there is a lot of anxiety around recruiting, and it's important to remind yourself that it will all work out. Also, don't forget to take advantage of all the developmental ex experiences and opportunities that are at your disposal on campus. So some nice advice from Gabrielle. And I think, you know, she does make a really good point. People get so amped up about recruiting, but every time we look at the career reports, it's like what, you know, 96% of the people looking for jobs have an offer within three months of graduation. And, and you know, it's usually 100% a few months after that. So there's really people land, they get jobs, you know, it's not a, not, not a challenge, at least not, not these days. <laughs> um, but that was kind of fun to, I don't know if you read that one, but she was a, a, a good profile for the site. They're absolutely fantastic. Yeah. 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 And I'm sure that that anxiety can, can be, um, you know, when you combine that with things like imposter syndrome and various other things and, yeah, yeah. you know, you're going to, you, I, I can see why you're nervous. The, the, these are big stakes, um, but at the end of the day, it all works out. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other guy that we profiled is this guy named uh, Brian Guo. I think, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, Guo, uh, G-U-O. Uh, his, uh, he's a graduate of Cornell Johnson, uh, class of 19. So again, someone who's been in the workforce for a couple of years now. And he's also an investment banking associate at J.P. Morgan, also from New Jersey. So I don't know if Lauren, our editor-in-chief, is doing this on purpose, but it was really, you know, kind of nice to see two profiles in banking in the same week. So for people interested in that domain, it's really useful. Um, this guy used to work in uh, wealth and asset management before business school and actually is a graduate of the college in New Jersey. And, you know, he, I, you know, we asked him for his advice as well. And he said, time management is important and manage your FOMO. Uh, fear of missing out. And he said, there will be, there will not be a dearth of clubs, events, activities, tracks, and friends to occupy your precious time. So you should make sure that you fully understand what you want out of your two years in business school and select activities that align yourself with those goals. Uh, these goals could be oriented around your career, health, education, hobbies, or social. And you should try and reserve like 80% of your time towards supporting these goals. Then leave the other 20% of your time for random activities and allow yourself to be open to new experiences and relationships. <laughs> it's important to be focused on your goals, but you should also allow some room for the universe's randomness, which may delightfully surprise you with things that you didn't know you would love. So that was a really nice quote from him, I thought. No, it's really, really super interesting. It brings up two really interesting points. One is how we really focus on the importance of knowing, you know, having your goals and your plan and knowing what you want to do before you go for the MBA and that's part of the admissions process that's really important but the second element sort of reminds me of maybe you're working at one of these top um, firms like Amazon and maybe they give you five or ten percent of your time to go off and do something um, innovative um, you know outside of your core um, mandate for, for where you're working I don't know if Amazon still does stuff like that but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah no yeah super super interesting yeah so this is why it's fun to talk to grads of these top programs and to see where they are you know a year or two years you know out so um, the last thing I wanted to get to before we review the candidates is uh, London Business School released their careers report and so really quickly, I'm just going to give you the facts and figures that we've done with all the U.S. schools as we've gone through these. And so for LBS, 38% uh, of the graduating class went into consulting, 26% into financial services, 26% tech, and then 3% consumer retail, 3% industrials. Uh, so that's kind of the industry stuff. Um, anything stick out to you, Alex? I mean, the big three, Yeah, they, they're clearly taking up a huge chunk of the the... The, the the candidates tech 
banking and and, and and consulting. Consulting, that's a large number. I thought maybe a little bit more on the financial services, but consulting is very big. Yeah, I mean, literally 90% of their graduating class that was looking for work, at least, um, landed in, in one of those three sectors, which is, um, you know, that's a bit more than what we see in other, other schools. Um, but, you know, obviously they're having no trouble placing people. Uh, in terms of the regional stuff, uh, 52% of the graduates landed in the UK, 13% in Asia, 10% Europe, 9% Latin America, 9% North America. Africa and the Middle East had 5%, and Oceania had 2%. So obviously very different than what we see from American schools in that while there is some concentration in the home country, in that 52% with the UK, it's nothing like the roughly 90 or 95% concentration we see with US programs where most people are landing in the US. So really cool to see how LBS graduates are scattering really to all corners of the globe. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me though, Graham, in as much as these international pro- programs overseas and from, from America, um, they're drawing candidates, a very global um, um, student body in the first place, right? So their home country is not the dominant um, um, culture necessarily in the class. Yeah. And that's then also then reflected in terms of where they're going afterwards. It's interesting, there's 52% UK, at 10% the rest of Europe. I'm wondering if though that sort of proportion has shifted any with the sort of Brexit stuff that's coming. Um, so I don't know if we can look back at trends from prior um, years and, and sort of sort of look at that. Um, because, you know, potentially without Brexit, it might have been easier to, to get a job in, in sort of continental Europe out of LBS and stuff. Who, who knows? I'm just speculating. But I, I'm keen to know what the average starting salary is, Graham. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you in one second. The thing, just to go back to your comment there, I know that um, one of the things that's changed is that the UK in the last couple of years has now allowed anyone to stay for who does an MBA um, to stay for, I believe it's two years, if not three uh, and so I wonder if that's influencing things too, yeah. but I, I don't know. We'd have to go back and look at, you know, the, um, the data around, yeah, Europe, European placements, kind of EU placements, uh, starting salaries, the mean salary for the class in U S dollars was 114,000. So a bit lower than the U S schools, which we know often clock in at, what is it? 130, 140, even, even a little bit more. Um, but you know, again, salaries do tend to be a little bit lower in Europe and that's where a lot of these candidates are landing. Uh, the other thing that I loved is that LBS shares some stats that I don't think I've seen other schools sharing as much. And they basically tell you that, um, 53% of their graduates moved to a new location upon graduation, uh, from where they were prior and 50% switched their sector Nearly a third of the class, 31%, changed both location and job sector when they graduated. So again, there's this whole theme around mobility and, and internationalism you know, with, with LBS yeah. that you would expect. So very cool stuff. It's nice to see um, these reports continue to trickle out. Uh, other than that, Alex, let's get into the candidates. I did want to say we have some events coming up in May. We'll get the dates to you soon, but they're going to be sort of like every Wednesday night in May where we're going to be sitting down with admissions directors, usually from anywhere from three to five top business schools on a kind of um, basically like a, uh, you know, sort of a 
almost like a mini fair where we'll pepper them with questions and, um, you know, kind of a, a panel. And we've done these before. They're wildly popular. So you're going to want to sign up once we get the details out there. Um, I've seen a, a sneak preview of the schools that are joining us. And it includes, you know, institutions like Wharton and Chicago Booth and LBS and INSEAD and Columbia, Yale. I mean, the list goes on. It's a sort of a who's who of top MBA programs. So stay tuned on that. Uh, other than that, Alex, are you ready to get into our candidates? Yeah, let's kick on. All right, so this is Wiretap's candidate number one. So this week's first candidate is an ApplyWire entry, and it's a candidate that is looking not to start business school until like 2024 because they are a deferred enrollment prospect. They've got seven schools on their target list, and those schools are Berkeley, Columbia, Harvard, MIT, Stanford, Chicago, and Wharton. They are going to be working in consulting uh, when they graduate from college because they are currently a college senior. I believe they have an offer at Deloitte, so they're going to be working at Deloitte. After business school, they're really interested in impact investing uh, and particularly like strategy around impact investing or maybe even something within private equity or real estate. So they have some ideas post MBA. They have a 730 on the GMAT and a 3.7 GPA, which we learned in the comments is from a kind of top 40 US college. Uh, They're located in Massachusetts and they are a big fan of the podcast. They literally say big fan of the podcast and that they're a college senior applying for deferred enrollment. So Alex, I know we both had some back and forth with this candidate. What do you think, I mean, given that they're deferred enrollment, what, what, do, you, what do you make of their chances and their, their candidacy here? Yeah, I mean, like, like many of our deferred enrollment candidates, um, some of whom we featured um, on Wiretaps, but posting to apply why, on paper, they're outstanding, right? So you've got, uh, you know, th- this person's got a 3.7 GPA, and business computer science, um, is, is active um, at, you know, within with at their university has done three internships presumably done very well they're sort of engineering business and and so on and so forth to to me it looks like they've done they, they've made the most of where they're at and done very well um they, their overall gmat 730 so that's right on the median of top programs um so that's very good they've already got an offer in hand at deloitte um so 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 on paper, it looks really good, Graham. What 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 a candidate like this needs to do in my in my mind, Graham, and and you can sort of um, you know talk to this or or, or refute it or or whatever. They've got to think. All right, I'm competing um, for for a few spaces in some of the very elite programs through this deferral admissions process. Other folks competing. Um, some of whom will have gone, you know, will, will be coming at it from an, you know, going to an Ivy League, from an Ivy League program, similar GPA, similar sort of successes. Um, and maybe they, they, they've got an offer at Amazon or, or MBB and, and so on and so forth. So, and, and, and I guess the point I'm making here is um, there, there'll be some other folks that maybe have some more fortunate circumstance, but, but have a slightly higher bit of sort of stardust attached to what they've done so so what that means to me is for a candidate like this they need to make sure everything that they present is absolutely at its best so i'm sort of dialing down into this gmat score they got a 730 that's a great score and very 
unusual for, for, for us to recommend someone reconsider um, taking a test at 7.30. But the quant of the GMAT is only the 59th percentile. It's a 44 number, which is surprising given that they're a computer science. They've probably done a lot of analytical work and so on and so forth. So unless this candidate did spend lots and lots of hours prepping and really does believe this is their best score, it might well be worth tackling the GMAT again with more preparation. Because you can imagine, Graham, if they did retake the GMAT, they bumped up that quant score, everything else stayed the same. They ended up with a 760 or 770 on the GMAT combined with everything else they absolutely belong at the very top table, potentially. So that's my only sort of pushback. Yeah, I I could not agree more. I think the way that I look at it is schools offer early decision or, or, sorry, deferred enrollment because they want to snatch up the best and brightest. But they also, I think, are looking at this candidate sometimes through the lens of, you know, could we wait on this candidate and see how they look in a couple of years, knowing that many of these people are going to apply regular um, if they don't get in? And so that that's, you know, and that's where you get into this issue of, well, did they go to a good enough school or they is there enough, as you say, stardust um, attached to their candidacy? With that said, I think one of the ways that's really great to stand out is in maturity. And so if this candidate knows that and can really come in with a good head on their shoulders with respect to their goals, what they're hoping to get out of their time at Deloitte, how it uh, kind of relates to what they want to do in the longer term, that could earn them a number of points. But I do agree with you that I would like to see, while a 730 hits the averages at most all of the schools on their target list, my view is that a deferred enrollment candidate often needs to kind of bat above that in order to, you know, argue that, hey, you should take me early because I'm actually, you know, that much better. So I I think if they could retake and boost the quant score, it would be helpful. So I agree with you there. But again, this candidate, they seem to know, I mean, I feel like they have a really good header on their shoulders because they say things like, I know there are no safeties on my list. I'm going to apply to these schools. And if I don't get in, I'll just apply regular decision after a couple of years of work. So I feel like they have the right approach here. Uh, but but yeah, it's it's one of those things where I would love to see a high level of maturity. I would love for recommendation letters to speak to that as well. And and then, you know, we'll just see that. I mean, they got seven schools on the list. You never know what a relief it would be to get into one of these top schools early. Uh, always, always helpful, right? So in terms of how they can then map out their career and not have to stress about applying later. So anyway, it's a, it's a really interesting candidacy for these reasons of, you know, the, the nuance in it around, you know, how they can sort of stand out in a crowded, arguably crowded field for these deferred spots. Was that sports reference to cricket or baseball? Which which one? <laughs> you, you you said batting at something. Oh yeah, that's well baseball. Yeah, we talk about like batting above you know above the average basically. Ah. Yeah. Although I guess you have the same thing in cricket, right? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> you don't watch but, any cricket. <laughs> yeah, but but I completely agree with you. The other the other thing, let's say they do get a spot in one or two of these programs. Um, and that would be great. It takes the pressure off, but it, it shouldn't stop them targeting the very top of their list in that couple of years time. Sure. When they, when, when they come back at it, if they choose to come back at it. So that's true. Um, so, so yeah, lot, lots to like here. I hate to be sort of, um, putting down a little bit. My overall point is, as a, as, a, as a candidate looking at the deferred option, you want to make sure you present your very best all the way across the board. And if you don't think that your test score is at its very best, 
go and you know do what you can to get another test score in under the wire even if it's after you apply um you know you, you could tell the adcom that another test is forthcoming yeah or whatever but yeah um best of luck and it's a good strategy don't 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 be applying to safety schools as a deferred as a, as a deferred candidate Does, right. doesn't make any sense yeah agreed um alex just going back to this whole sports stuff does this mean you're not taking me to lord's cricket grounds next like when we're in london i thought you know maybe that you would you know that that would be something we could do while i was there but maybe maybe it's not <laughs> not on your list of things yeah. to do in london i guess <laughs> I, I i think we'll i think we'll give that one a miss and just go to the pub <laughs> All right. That sounds good. Uh, okay. So let's move on. I want to thank that person for their post and for the kind words about the podcast. Let's move on and talk about wiretaps candidate number two. So this is another apply wire entry. And again, it's from a younger candidate, but it is a candidate who's already in the workforce and is going to be applying regular uh, decision uh, via the kind of cycle next season. So they're going to apply next fall and hope to start in the fall of 23. They've got a whopping nine schools on their target list for now, and those schools are Berkeley, Cornell, Harvard, MIT, Kellogg, NYU, Chicago Booth, Wharton, and UT Austin McCombs. They are working in engineering, and they want to get into technology and maybe an entrepreneurship after business school. They've got a 750 on the GMAT and a 3.85 GPA. They will have had two years of work experience when they matriculate, and they gave us a lot of background. I mean, they, they do, um, you know, they've got some good extracurriculars, all that stuff. And we kind of, you got into a conversation with them about how much employment they have. And I want you to shed some light on that because they are a younger candidate. Uh, you had some exchange with them around what it means to be a younger candidate. And also there's something unique about them with respect to their promotion and where they are in their career. Um, so maybe you can shed some light on that as we kind of get into discussing this one. Yeah, I mean, let's be frank here. This is a potential superstar. Um, you know, you say the numbers 750 and GMAT, 385 GPA, I mean, and, and an engineer, right? So, um, you know, they're clearly wicked smart, as, as we like to say, <laughs> and, 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 and that kind of stuff. And they've done very well at work. I mean, it looks like they've, they've you know, got promoted ahead of, schedule um, significantly they're leading a project that involves quote-unquote tens of millions in assets and so on and so forth so um, so to me all that is extremely positive the big kicker here is um, you know if they apply apply with two years of, of, of work experience I mean they've been promoted I get that and they got promoted well ahead of schedule I get that um, but if they're applying with two years of work experience, um, let's say they got they were successful and they got into um, a couple of top tens and, and, and one or two M7s. And, you know, that's the sort of programs they've got on their target list. I mean, frankly, Graham, if they don't get into Harvard, Stanford or Wharton, I don't know if it was a smart strategy on their part. The key is they need to apply when when they have their, their maximum chance of getting into the very best programs that they could possibly get into. So I would absolutely encourage them to apply um, this upcoming season and maybe the very elite programs will um, will we'll, 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 we'll make a play for them because they've got so much upside potential. Um, but... Um, that's what it. That's what it'll be based on for the most part. Upside potential um, that they can show, 
Um, so, so that's basically where I'm where I'm going at um, with with this can. This can it belongs in a very very top program, I think, Graham. Yeah, and I think I mean one of the things that's interesting, and this is a common theme that we see, and that it is as an admissions officer, I loved seeing is the engineer who quickly realizes once they're in the workforce that they want to be involved in more aspects of the enterprise, um, and so they start to pivot towards the business side. And they, they explicitly state that, you know, mm. that they kind of realize that, you know, they, they want to, they're interested in the leadership aspects and, and the, you know, kind of applying their engineering background in, you know, kind of a management um, capacity. And so they talk about wanting to get into maybe a tech focused startup or, you know, doing some management with a large tech company or something. So they, you know, they, they want to kind of meld this sort of engineering background with a, a kind of interest in management. And so that's good to hear. I think that's, you know, makes a lot of sense. They have terrific numbers, as you underlined. I feel like, like you say, they can roll the dice, try to get into a top school this time round. They went on about how they have, they've been promoted into a level that normally is reserved for those who have kind of had three years of experience. So they were kind of underlining that. And I think that's fine. And hopefully the recommenders will speak to that. But I don't think that means that the admissions reader is going to be like, oh, well, we see they have two years of experience, but really we're going to call it three. You know, that doesn't quite work that way. Right. I think it's obviously they'll earn some points for maturity and, and success in their career and things. But uh, we'll, we'll see where the chips fall. I, I do agree with you. If they don't get into kind of, let's say, an M7 type school, they might be selling themselves short. Just, you know, they could probably work another year and, and, and get in that way. But I'm hopeful that with good execution and a clear set of goals and, you know, just everything falls right, that as you say, a top school is going to jump on them because they have such stellar stats and, and as you, an upside. So I think it could work out. But yeah, they just need to know that going in. I think it can work out. I do think that this candidate, the recommendations will be very important. They need to really show... Be, be full of substance about the maturity of the candidate, the, the, the potential of the candidate, um, and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, I think that's going to be very important. I don't think this candidate should apply to any safety schools. Mm -hmm. um, you know, really, e even if they're desperate to get their MBA um, after two years of work experience, I would suck it up and work another year and 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 not not include any safety schools um this season um, um because at the end of the day there's no point in applying to a school that you wouldn't um um in, enroll in if that was your only option right what was the point in doing that so <laughs> so narrow yeah. this when, when they narrow their list down narrow it from the bottom up yeah or if, if that makes sense yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I can speak firsthand. I, yeah. I, you know, I, when I applied to business school, I, I applied to a school that, you know, it's a great school and I'm not going to name the school, but I, I, you know, I got in there and I was like waitlisted everywhere else first time out. And I almost went to that school and I, I did not end up going. And then the question became, well, why did I spend all that time if I wasn't going to go there? So yeah, focus on the schools you would attend. That's kind of criteria number one. Uh, but anyway, I want to thank this person for their post and yeah, wish them the best of luck. They can keep us posted as things evolve and, and keep listening to the show and you know we'll, we'll see how how things unfold but best of luck to them uh, Alex let's move on to our last candidate this is wiretaps candidate number three so this is a decision wire entry and what yet again it's a person who's undecided we love to kind of um, debate these on the show this person applied to Columbia Stern Rice UCLA and UT Austin and they ended up getting into Rice with a $60,000 scholarship 
They got into UCLA Anderson with $70,000, and they also got into McCombs with $40,000 in scholarship. They did not get into Columbia or Stern. They're going to be entering business school this fall. They really would like to work in investment banking, and their GMAT score was a 730. They're located in Texas. They talk about you know goals being with kind of a bulge bracket um, investment bank, and they're also kind of interested in private equity and venture capital. They're wanting to kind of explore that stuff, maybe through a venture fellowship, and, and they really want to be in an entrepreneurial environment. That's what they say in their note. Uh, they have some experience before business school where they were a founder and an investor, but they really want to kind of get their hands in dirty with, you know, kind of get into the um, nuts and bolts of things with some banking work before they go back and, and, you know, get into private equity or something. So they have this debate between these three schools, Rice, UCLA, and Austin. I don't know, Alex, there was a lot of good uh, kind of comments, again, from one of our three-star contributors on the site who seems to know a lot about banking placements. But what do you make of this? I mean, here's someone with, you know, they want to work in investment banking in the short term, and they've got these offers from Rice, UCLA, and UT Austin. Yeah, quite honestly, on the on the surface, I, I would um, look at Anderson in front of, um, in, in, in front of the Texas schools. I mean... You know, is it is we would consider in a, in a tier above. Um, you know, obviously in the long run they want to be in Texas, but I think and and according you know to to our commenter who who knows knows much more about the investment banking industry than than I do, um, that they'll be able to laterally move back to Texas. The key is to get that first position in investment banking, and and um, presumably Anderson would provide them access um, um, to do that. So I would default more naturally to thinking that Anderson is the best choice. But the reason why I chose this um, entry is to really encourage our listeners to to go to DecisionWire and, and sort of make the most of this tool, whether, whether you're um, you know, looking at how other folks have made decisions or you're looking at getting support through your own sort of decision making. Um, the 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 feedback from this um, th- this commenter, um, you know, we'll call them Anon one zero six four six, is just outstanding. Yeah, they clearly know this industry. They've been through the recruiting process. I think they're a first year. They they've recruited um, for for internships. And I could have completely misread that. Um, but that's what I get uh, after reading a lot, a lot of their comments over the last several weeks. Um, so yeah, um, for me, it looks like it's Anderson. But but if you want to, if if listeners want to know the detail of this, I mean, I encourage them to go to um, go 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 to DecisionWire and, and take a, a a good read. Bring a cup of coffee. So it'll take some time. <laughs> yeah, th- it is a tricky um, debate in the sense that. I mean, most would argue that Anderson is, you know, typically ranks a little bit ahead of McCombs and, but, you know, they obviously have their regional strength. I just think that, um, as a non 10646, I know we have these kind of silly handles for people who are anonymous on the site, but as that person commented, you know, there are, there's a lot more, a kind of a broader array is the word that they used of, of the bulge bracket, uh, you know, banks in LA, um, and San Fran than there would be down in Houston. 
but you know, there's also this, oh, do you want to be the big fish in a smaller pond where, you know, there's less battling for spots in Houston than there would be out West. But I can't help but think that the money comes into play here too. I mean, there, there's almost double the money coming from Anderson. It's the higher ranked school. Their spouse has a job offer, potentially, you know, ability to work in, in LA too. And, and they could work in Austin, but I just think things seem to be aligning towards Anderson for this one. But it is, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I kind of, part of me was wondering, like, when I looked at the list of schools, like, where was Johnson? Where was, you know, maybe even Wharton or Booth or, you know, some of these schools that are also really strong in the banking placements. But, you know, they needed to apply, I think, in markets where maybe their spouse could work too. So they, they might've been limited. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it is what it is. And I, I think it's an interesting debate and it does absolutely underline the strength of some of the folks on our site in terms of their ability to comment and offer such great advice. So we really appreciate that. Definitely. Yeah. No, absolutely fantastic. And best of luck to this candidate. And congratulations on, on the offers. Yeah, three offers all with money. Always nice to see. Yeah. Um, so, Alex, thanks for picking these out. Um, I'm really looking forward to hanging out with you uh, over the course of this week uh, in, in London and working on our secret <laughs> project. But, yeah, we'll be back uh, to record an episode for the following week, too. So, everyone, stay tuned. You'll still have your wiretaps, even if Alex and I are at the pub all next week. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Stay safe, everyone. Good luck.